Welcome back to M&A. Here's the deal, where we talk about the latest trends and happenings in the M&A landscape. Remember to like and subscribe to our podcast to catch all of the latest episodes. Hello, and thank you for joining today's M&A Here's the Deal podcast, where we will be discussing the recent boom in the telepresence industry. Today's host is Mukhtar Ahmed with guest panelists Aditya Bhavani, Georgi Sudlaze, Anton Rasadkin, and George Zhu. Thank you to Anton and George as well for their help in directing the show, and a very special thank you to Vadika Bhatia for her help in producing the show. We also want to say thank you to all those who are helping fight the pandemic on the front lines, and we hope all of our listeners are doing well, safe at home. Well, thank you everybody for joining. Um, we've got a, a set of esteemed uh, panelists today, um, and today we are going to talk about video conference industry and telepresence as it's become much more relevant to all of our lives. This episode is hosted by myself, Muhtadar Ahmed, and our guest today, I'll give them an opportunity for a quick introduction, uh, starting with Aditya. Thanks, Mac. Uh, my name is Aditya Bhavdani, and uh, I work in our transactions practice out in the Bay Area. Terrific. Thanks, Aditya, for being with us. And Georgi? Thanks, Mac. Uh, my name is Georgi Suladze, and I work in the New York area as a management consultant, have been in working consulting for about seven years now, uh, serving financial services industry. Terrific. Thanks, Georgi. And Anton? Thanks, Mac. Uh, my name is Anton, and I also work in consulting in the greater New York area. Terrific. And George? Thank you, Mac. Hello, everybody. My name is George. I'm also a management consulting in the New York area. All right. Terrific. Thank you, guys. Just uh, before we kick off, just want to acknowledge uh, and give out a big thanks to our executive and creative directors, Anton, George, uh, who are also our panelists today. And uh, a shout out to Vedika, who could not join us today, Vedika Bhatia, who's been instrumental to helping us prepare for this. So to kick off, let's start with uh, setting the stage for the video conferencing industry. So maybe I'll start with you, Anton. Could you help us set the stage in terms of where have we been? How has this industry kind of come to be where it is right now? Uh, hey, Mac. Yeah, of course. And let me just take a step back. And I want to start by talking about the meeting industry in general. And that includes both the face-to-face, you know, the professional services traveling to client sites, as well as the telepresence part that we gathered here to discuss. The meeting industry has seen a boom since the Great Recession of 2008, and it's been growing at an exponential rate. And in its 2019 Global Meetings Report, American Express mentioned that it it was seeing a further increase of meetings and attendees of between 1% to 2%. Of course, those numbers are prior to COVID, so I assume that while the in-person meetings have declined, the telepresence meetings have significantly increased. Even without the COVID, I do have to say that much of this increase in the meetings was due to the ability for attendees to join meetings virtually instead of in person, which is probably a good segue here for me to sort of move into the telepresence virtual meeting discussion. So the telepresence industry consists of many different types of meetings, but the two main ones I would say are the larger meeting types, such as conventions, annual meetings, and then a smaller meetings such as, you know, maybe like a happy hour or just a phone call between two people. And while both of these meetings have undergone significant changes in recent years, it's ultimately due to the development of a more reliable technology and the greater social emphasis on business sustainability. In fact, just for this exercise, I just want to take a quick look at one of the more 
famous examples and, you know, the one that is constantly in the news. And that's, of course, Zoom. So just to give you some rough numbers, back in 2014, there were about 106 average weekly meetings across all different platforms. As of 2018, Zoom alone had over 2,000 meetings on its platform alone. Now, companies similar to Zoom that have user-friendly interface, better architecture, and a strong business model are the main factors behind the growing usage trend. In fact, more, I believe it was Morgan Stanley um, who mentioned that in, the, in their 2019 report, they mentioned that vi- video conferencing was about a $6 billion industry. And that is a very significant growth over a short period of time. That kind of financial benefits, I think they will spur a significant investment into the industry. But, you know, outside the financial benefits, I think it's worth mentioning that telepresence telepresence benefits employees as well. The creation of this reliable technology for telepresence facilitates human interaction without the need to travel helping people out with the life and better work-life balance, which was a big part of the movement of, you know, the big tech companies. So, you know, the better work in the technology, the better it benefits the society from both financial and psychological level. And I think as employees are demanding better working conditions and hours from the employers, with many technology companies creating entire ecosystems focused on lowering employee stress, I think telepresence industry is a perfect place in a perfect time to continue its growth. Terrific. Thanks. Uh, Thanks a lot, Anton. I think that's really good insight. So the momentum's already been building and it it seems like COVID's really kind of up the trajectory here. And it's really impressive to kind of see uh, a market going from uh, hundreds to to millions uh, in a matter of four or five years. That kind of trajectory is not as common. Uh, so maybe I think with that stage set in terms of where we are at, um, I think it will be helpful to understand who are some of the key players and what kind of market share do they have? What, what kind of market opportunity are we talking about here? So uh, Aditya, I was wondering if you want to jump in and give us some perspectives there. Yeah, thanks, Mac. Um, you know, when we were prepping for this discussion, I was surprised uh, when I looked at some of these numbers, but... There was a study in, by Morgan Stanley and IDC back in 2009, uh, 2019 that said that the video conferencing industry was about a $6 billion market. And I sort of felt that that number was, was, was low. And the, the, the study sort of went on to say that it also felt that the market was sort of undergrown its potential. And as Anton mentioned, you know, COVID has been the, the sort of fuel to the fire here. Um, at an aggregate, um, IDC is now projecting um, the overall market to grow to about 43 billion by 2021, right? So that's a big, a big difference from uh, in just a couple of years. And obviously, some of that looks like it's it's catch up. Um, from a from a player standpoint, it's sort of a, a combination of old world and new world, right? Uh, old world being uh, Microsoft um, and um, companies like Cisco. And so, and the new world obviously is uh, Zoom and uh, some of the newer ones like Blue Jeans and Log Me In, as as Anton mentioned. Also, as of now, still Cisco and sort of the the legacy players hold about sixty percent of the market. Uh, but this study that we that we looked at is is a little dated, so it'd be really interesting to see, you know, currently or or post COVID, whenever that happens, uh, what those numbers turn out to be. I'm 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 pretty sure Zoom will be will be pretty far up there now. 
Terrific. Thanks, Aditya. I think that, that helps us understand a bit more about the shape of the market. And it's interesting that some of these larger players um, from legacy days are still continuing to dominate the market. Um, so if, if Zoom's up to 300 million, uh, of course, I think they have seen a much higher. Um, the rising tide has definitely raised uh, their boats. Um, so continuing on, I think we understand a bit more about the market and the key players and the insane trajectory uh, this uh, market has seen over the last uh, several years. Um, it'll be helpful to understand what are the key factors driving this growth? Why are we seeing, seeing this kind of uh, growth, especially over the last five years? So, Georgi, I wanted to pick your brain on, on your perspectives uh, on, on what's driving this growth. Yeah, definitely. So I think there are um, quite a few factors that have been developing over the last, I would say, two decades or so that are impacting this significant growth. Um, COVID-19 is really one of them, but COVID-19 um, only occurred, obviously, just a few months ago. Um, so as much as it is impacting the industry in a very large capacity, there are also other factors. And I want to address those other factors first. Um, the first one of those uh, is globalization, I believe, um, that has been ongoing with large companies expanding their geographic footprint um, across continents and across co across countries as well as domestically uh, within countries. And more recently, COVID-19 has had a significant impact, um, of course. And it has started to, um, the video conferencing has started to dominate the market. Uh, it is, in my mind, uh, due to three key factors. Uh, one is the fact that, uh, again, productivity seems to have been affected um, positively. Secondly, it gives you a little bit more time, so to speak, uh, when you don't have to get up in the morning, get ready and go to work. Uh, it gives you a little bit more time to actually put some effort into your work. So it is convenient in a way. And then thirdly, uh, last but not least, I, I would say, is uh, the fact that companies have been becoming uh, more conscious of their carbon footprint. And a lot of the organizations have been trying to reduce the amount of time that their employees are spending uh, traveling. Uh, we are all uh, in the management consulting industry and we know how much management consultants travel, for example. But outside of that, generally corporations, employees travel quite a bit for conferences, for training, um, just for sort of business and sales initiatives and so on and so forth. And as we know, uh, airplane sort of the flights have significant carbon foot, produce significant uh, carbon footprint. Um, and so do other travel uh, measures, uh, but uh, airplanes especially. So. Given, given, given all of those factors, I believe that organizations have started to adapt to the video conferencing culture, and it has become more and more prevalent, supported by the COVID-19 uh, implications. I just wanted to build upon the last topic that Georgi mentioned, the uh, environmental conscious initiative for the growth within telebirth industry. I actually think even uh, definitely before the, the virus hit, um, this was actually probably one of the main uh, positives and reasons why a lot of companies were shifting in this direction towards the telepresence market um, because uh, a lot of these companies and individuals are looking to reduce their carbon footprint and really the biggest strategy for doing so would be centered around hosting a lot of telepresence meetings where people no longer have to uh, travel around the city or even the country to attend uh, these, these meetings in person. Um, even just recently, uh, I saw that 
BlackRock in uh, early 2020 announced that they were going to include a sustainability initiative as one of its new standards for investing um, in their strategy for creating their portfolios. So the companies that they choose have to be both economically uh, and socially and now environmentally sustainable. Um, and a lot of other top uh, companies have sim since launched similar initiatives. Uh, so I think that these telepresence companies can use this opportunity to really grow and attract investments be by marketing uh, their ability to reduce um, their essentially two key carbon emissions, paper waste uh, through presentation materials uh, and also uh, the actual travel and carbon footprint used for moving people around the country. So I think that reason was actually really big even before uh, COVID, but now um, is just another reason why a lot of companies were planning to shift towards the telepresence uh, market initiative. Thanks. Yeah, and uh, to both your points, it's actually not not only is it environmentally friendly, but a lot of firms are cutting costs as far as you know renting commercial real estate. So I I've seen in the news that Twitter basically allowed all of its employees to work remotely, and Facebook also announced that over the ten years they will try to move most of their workforce to work remote. So I think such tech giants moving to remote work can only positively affect the growth of telepresence. And in fact, you know, maybe there will be more competitors or better products that will flood the market in the next few years. Yeah, and I think although not publicly announced, uh, uh, well, Shopify, I think, also made that same announcement. Um, and, and I think other larger tech giants are internally doing surveys on employee willingness to adapt to a model like that um, before there are a lot of changes. So it's really interesting that uh, these changes are... are um, uh, you know, many in many places likely going to stick. And and I think, as George, you mentioned, uh, uh, building a, on uh, the comments about sustainability, I think a lot of these larger firms took a pledge at uh, Davos last year about uh, creating a sustainability-focused executive position to achieve that um, sustainability goal. Uh, as a silver lining, at least, uh, a majority of them uh, may have <laughs> met that goal. So, um, at so talking a bit more about growth, obviously one of the tools, and I think a tool of deal of interest to all of us here is M&A. So let's turn and pivot a bit and talk a little bit more about the themes from a M&A perspective and the deals that we were seeing, uh, particularly let's start maybe with pre-COVID. What were the kind of deals we were uh, seeing coming into the COVID crisis? Maybe, Georgi, can I turn to you? Um, so in terms of M&A, Overall, I do think that the uh, M&A market sort of took a, took a uh, small break, but I do think that it will jumpstart itself fairly quickly after some of the pandemic worries are um, subsided. Pre-coronavirus, uh, um, there were quite a few deals um, in the space, including by large organizations or small organizations, such as a deal between Plantronics and Polycom, which is a large conferencing organization, a deal between LogMeIn and Francisco Partners, and several PE firms um, also acquiring a relatively smaller video conferencing organizations that are worth um, about between $150 million and $1 billion. Since the COVID crisis, uh, there has been an increase in interest in different video conferencing organizations, um, which has been fu fueled by 
growth that we just discussed in the daily meetings through Zoom and Microsoft Teams or Skype um, and several other um, organizations. Um, and it is anticipated um, and some of the organizations have already started looking into smaller companies or um, some of the mid-sized companies uh, to buy in this space. Yeah, and to, to sort of build on what Georgi said, I think a lot of the pre-COVID deals were very much structured among smaller companies um, with sort of big giants staying away. Yes, you know, um, it, is a, it is a known fact that Microsoft uh, at one point tried to buy Zoom, I think as early as 2019 prior to its IPO. Um, I think Google also tried to buy Zoom sometime in 2018, but for the most part, like Georgi mentioned, it was much um, smaller uh, acquisitions and sort of emerging technology versus you know what we see now. It's very much the expansion of services and building capabilities with big giants such as you know Verizon or even Amazon possibly buying companies like Slack or you know somehow partnering with Zoom to sort of enhance their capabilities and increase their market share. Yeah, so actually just to build upon that, uh, Verizon actually just entered an agreement uh, earlier last month in April to uh, acquire BlueJeans, the platform, for around a half a billion dollars to, to enhance their own uh, video conferencing capabilities. Another, <laughs> now also with regards to some of the tech giants that you mentioned, uh, Google has recently just launched its own Google Meet feature just actually a few days ago to replace its uh, outdated Hangouts. So Hangouts previously could only hold about 25 people on a call and it was a bit spotty. So Google had revamped it for Google Meet, which can now hold 250 people on a call. So it's a lot It's a lot more competitive with, with Zoom. Additionally, Facebook has since launched Messenger Rooms um, and Workplace Rooms for the more formal professional workplace. Uh, these can each hold about 50 people on the call, which usually for the most part is good enough. But really uh, on the major front is, like we said, Zoom, which had announced its first ever uh, acquisition earlier this month of Keybase. Uh, they didn't disclose the amount, but basically Keybase is more of a, a security specialist, in, which specializes in end-to-end -end encryption, um, something that Zoom has really, really needed since there's been uh, a lot of different uh, news around Zoom bombing where a lot of people were able to quote-unquote hack into other meetings such as college lectures and other workplace meetings. So their acquisition of this security firm should definitely enhance their, their capabilities in the market as these traditional tech giants better develop their own offerings for, for customers. So it's really interesting to see. I think most of the plays so far were about scale. And I think with COVID, we're seeing a little bit more cross cross uh, sector, if you want to call it, where tech players are, are trying to strengthen their capabilities. And George, you mentioned Verizon. Uh, obviously, I think there's a 5G play there too, right? Obviously, bandwidth with video conferencing is, is going to start becoming a critical factor. And as 5G comes into picture, Verizon, I think, will get positioned very well, uh, having the right kind of uh, capabilities still now. What video conferencing? <laughs> Mac, just one, yeah. can I add a point quickly? Um, so just a point more on the overall M&A market and sort of the, the, the drive that COVID has put behind it. It, it. There's been a little bit of a haves and have not creations that I've noticed, both on the, on the acquire side and the target side. And what I mean by that is traditionally, you know, 
if you're a corporate or a PE buyer, you know, depending on if it's a if it's a decent economy or you know, it's a high volume transaction time, you're sort of competing against everyone in, in sort of this more high risk environment. There are a lot of players now that are not going to go through, through transactions, right? So that puts certain buyers in better positions. And then on the target side, too, I think it'll be interesting to see where, where it ends up specifically in the, in the video conferencing space, right? But um, in sort of the, the, the startup and the, you know, small to medium-sized business companies, right, there are some that are going to get accelerated and some that are sort of going to die out. And I feel the same thing is going to happen probably in the video conferencing industry. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see which ones uh, sort of make it to the top of the pack. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, Aditya, because in many sectors, um, right now it's a market uh, for dry powder or corporates who are well positioned to look for, you know, uh, depressed valuations, targets that are going to be cheap to buy. But in this market, it seems like the, the tide's continuing to rise despite um, the COVID crisis. So the, the opportunity is more about positioning for the future than it is to find something that's a good deal. So uh, maybe one additional quick context, um, maybe I'll call on you, Anton, just to give our users some perspective. When we talk about Zoom and Teams, I'm just curious, like what, what kind of, uh, I think you had mentioned $300 million, or 300 million daily active users for Zoom. Um, what does that number look like for, for Microsoft Teams? Obviously, most of us have encountered Teams through Microsoft in their corporate um, connection. Uh, several organizations have rolled it out now. So I'm curious what kind of market share they're capturing and what's Zoom competing like against them? Yeah, Max, sure. So Microsoft actually offer has two offerings. One is the Microsoft-owned Skype, um, and they actually mentioned in April that the number of people using their, their video calling system has surged by 70% in a month. And it's, it's at about 40 million people presently. So while it's not necessarily a Zoom number, I think given that those are kind of different companies with maybe their different niche markets, I think those are still very good numbers. And also, I wanted to mention Microsoft Teams, their new offering, which is a more corporate-oriented app, I would say, and their usage has increased to more than 75 million daily active users. So overall, Microsoft saw about 200 million medium participants in a single day in the past month. Uh, on top of that, Mac, actually, I think one thing that's important to note is that Microsoft Teams, uh, when it was first designed, I think was actually more to rival Slack rather than to ri rival Zoom. So with Microsoft Teams, you see the capabilities to organize different, uh, essentially different projects, different groups. You're able to share files, to store files, to edit files together as like a team on Microsoft Teams, whereas Zoom really is only that video conferencing provider. So I think it's a little bit different in terms of the markets uh, that they serve, but ultimately right now, I think, yes, the main focus would be on the actual capabilities for the video conferencing optionality. Uh, but still, I think part of the reason why Microsoft might be a little bit lower at the moment in terms of pure numbers for video conferencing is because they offer a lot more functionality outside of just, uh, just that. Interesting, that's an interesting point, George. <clears throat> Obviously, they're not playing just in the video conference business. So maybe kind of thinking about the other obvious application, telehealth, which is also picked up quite significantly. Maybe I'll go to you, Aditya. What are your thoughts in that space? Do you feel like any of these key players will enter that space? There's obviously a few incumbents there, probably not as entrenched, uh, but curious to get your thoughts. 
Yeah, so I know uh, the, the the primary sort of uh, company that had uh, an upper leg on on the telehealth space, I believe, is called Teladoc. And I I, I wouldn't be surprised with um, you know this this po- in a post COVID COVID world where I could see one of the the more traditional video conferencing players partner with you know either insurance companies, other health management institutions to sort of help you know enable that that telehealth activity. And another another trend that I, I read about just recently is focused sort of the actually building out or companies and startups popping up to actually enable video solutions between you know uh, a customer and sort of the a company and their their own customer if you want to build it in, into an application. So I think it'll probably be um, a combination of of both the traditional companies that have had a first leg. Um, some of you know the bigger players probably partnering with you know a health institution or an insurance company to enable telehealth, and then some of these more niche specific, um, maybe not directly cl- uh, customer facing, uh, but more back end applications to enable telehealth also. Great perspective, thanks, Aditya. So I think as as we talk about kind of the industry taking shape, the different players, the different size of players. Obviously, um, wanted to get curious about potential M&A opportunities, especially as the competition heats up. So specifically talking about Zoom, as that's become uh, almost the, the verb here to describe video conferencing, I wanted to get, uh, maybe I'll, I'll stay on you, Aditya, get your thoughts on uh, who are the potential uh, candidates that may actually look to, to uh, acquire Zoom, despite, I think, maybe some reluctance on Zoom's part earlier. Uh, if, if the deal like that were to go down, who do you think would be the key players? Yeah, I think based on um, where where all these companies are currently and Zoom specifically from a public market standpoint, I would assume the only potential acquirer could be a, you know another big tech company. So, you know, Microsoft, Google, Salesforce, Cisco, a lot of these you know, already have video conferencing solutions. So it would be interesting to see what the strategic rationale behind those might be. But, you know, as, as I'm sure all of us know, acquiring competition is a, is a pretty traditional M&A, M&A strategy. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if one of the bigger players have, you know, the, they definitely have the cash, right? If you think about companies like Google, um, and the cash sitting on the balance sheet to make those acquisitions. Um, it'll be interesting to see which ones, you know, given given where Zoom stock price is today and video conferencing sort of being the norm for the future. I don't see, you know, I don't think this is going to be one of those cases where the stock price is just going to go back to normal. Um, I think it's going to stay elevated. And so the, the potential acquirers, I think, then, you know, get limited to more of the larger players. All right. Thanks, Aditya. Uh, so I think maybe kind of continuing on the, uh, down that path, obviously Zoom and some of the other players that are known to be playing strongly in the space. Who are we missing? Who are the other key players that are ones we would expect to see here or, you know, be, be competi- competing in the space that we're not seeing? So maybe, Georgi, I'll go to you to get your thoughts. Yeah, sure. So I think there are uh, a number of other uh, large technology organizations that have an opportunity here. Um, however, some of them focus on consumers, sort of retail consumers, so to speak, rather than wholesale consumers, which would be businesses and sort of commercial entities. Google actually just implemented a new feature on Gmail, uh, which is a Meet feature, which is a, 
uh, a good timing for them. And I do think that uh, these organizations have an opportunity to also expand their services in the video conferencing space. However, they are, of course, uh, related to other uh, technology companies. Um, so outside of the sort of the larger tech industry, I think that video calling space uh, can expand into various services, including some of the government services potentially, and there's a role in public sector. Also, I, I do think it has potential to enter you know, almost every sector, um, not only for workers, but also for their consumers. Thanks, Georgi. I think that's, uh, that's great insights. Um, and some of the other players are may, maybe kind of uh, staying in the sidelines or participating differently. So continuing on, I think, with uh, with some of our conversation related to growth and, and so what the future holds, essentially the forecast for this. Maybe let's start with the specific situation of Zoom. And what, what do you think is the likelihood for sustainability of Zoom growth? Obviously, I think from a revenue perspective, Zoom uh, pursues the land and expand model. So a lot of us has, have used Zoom but haven't explicitly paid for it. So curious to get your thoughts to see um, how do we think Zoom will shape out, especially uh, in able to sustain its its uh, users, and then converting that into dollars uh, in the short term and in the long term? So maybe I'll start with Theo Aditya for the short term, and George come to you for long term perspective. So um, I think in the short term, Mac, given the recent surge in usage and sort of this cultural shift of um, you know people being more remote. It, I'm almost sure, um, you know, like Zoom's usage is going to stay elevated post-close and the landscape will probably become more competitive as, uh, you know, everyone's going to try and capture some of that share. But as we talked about earlier, sort of a first mover advantage is always going to be, be, be bene beneficial for them. And even though they offer sort of a superior video conferencing platform, we're sort of expecting the ability to capture a share from incumbents. It'll become more and more challenging sort of, you know, as more players enter the market and the leaders in the market sort of continue to, to move forward. Thanks, Aditya. So maybe, George, I'll go to you to get some longer-term perspective on what holds for Zoom as we come out on the other end of this crisis. Yeah, so I think for Zoom, uh, its ability to stay relevant uh, and stay essentially the number one player within the video conferencing space is going to be very important. When, when we look at how it's going to grow within long term, five, 10 years down the road, I think one of the most important things to look at will be Zoom's ability to essentially diversify its offerings. So right now, it's definitely been able to build upon uh, what Aditya mentioned was being the first mover in the market, having the first mover advantage. Um, but as we see with some previous examples, uh, like MySpace for, for social networking and Napster for music music listening, just being the first mover advantage won't necessarily mean that it'll translate to long-term growth and long-term viability uh, as, a, as a company. Um, so being able to diversify some of these offerings, being able to offer more than just the pure video conferencing capabilities, I think will be important to its growth and ability to attract more customers. Um, additionally, the ability to have a very secure uh, network, so you know different different lines won't be broken into. 
and hackers won't be able to essentially access any of the data passing through these meetings, which may or may not be very confidential depending on who is using them, will be really important to one, build trust with a lot of different clients in order to attract more customers and retain its current customers and convince people that its platform is actually worth having and worth building on. Additionally, the competition within the market is going to be uh, an important aspect uh, and how, how, it, how it grows in the future. So like we mentioned earlier, a lot of large tech players are currently entering the market with their own very, very similar products um, that they offer for either free or a very low cost. Whereas right now for Zoom, we see that it's free optionality only offers the ability to have 40 people on a call and only for, I think it's like 45 minutes or an hour. So there is still like a time a time limit for the free version, whereas uh, Google Meet, for instance, is uh, able to have the 250 people for a much longer period of time. So the ability to offer uh, competitive products in the market is going to be very important moving forward. Um, and then also more of a nuanced macroeconomic environment item to look out for will be how prevalent will this telepresence market be in the future. So currently, like we said, Zoom is seeing a a spike in user growth because of essentially the need to have the video conferencing and telepresence capabilities because essentially there's no other option for a lot of these companies, for a lot of people to connect. Uh, this is the only viable alternative. There's no like uh, substitute, but if there is, for instance, we see the shift towards more of a normal lifestyle so people can once again meet in person. Um, essentially how will people have adopted the habit of having these telepresence meetings? Will, will people essentially continue to meet virtually in either small groups or large groups, or will they essentially want to shift back towards more of the traditional uh, in-person meetings? So I think those factors will be really important for Zoom's long-term growth. And it'll be really interesting to see how they respond as well as some of the other competitors, how they respond as well. So just to add to that, um, there's uh, obviously video conferencing is not perfect, right? We've been talking a lot about how beneficial it can be in terms of productivity and you know reducing carbon footprint and so on and so forth. But there are a lot of unknowns associated with uh, our current environment given COVID-19. And one of those unknowns is really what will be the long-term impact of uh, the workforce transitioning more internally into the work from home mode and not building relationships in person as much as they used to before. It will be interesting to see how that unfolds because um, video conferencing uh, can be considered by some as more impersonal than obviously one-on-one one -on -one conversations or just in-person conversations with folks. Um, and even though it's convenient, it kind of forces people to be available 24-7. So the call on the workforce can be quite large and it will be interesting to see what the long-term implications of that would be. Thanks, Georgi. I know you always have great uh, macroeconomic perspectives. So with that, maybe I think uh, we'll just uh, have some closing thoughts before we conclude. Um, so maybe let's start with you, Anton. Uh, well, thanks, Mac. Um, well, I think we're at a very unique change and transformation that is undergoing, not just in America, but around the world. It's a almost like a technological revolution where people are moving to work from home a lot more and the companies and the offers that can provide the best user experience without compromising the safety, I think they will change the way we approach work, the way people approach FaceTime, 
So, you know, I'm just looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Good. Thanks, Anton. I think we all are. Uh, maybe jumping to, to you, Aditya, do you want to share any closing thoughts? Yeah, Mag, I, I think we're, what's interesting, and this has been a great conversation, I think where I'm sort of thinking about where this is heading to, it'll be interesting to see sort of the different channels or avenues that traditionally used to be more in-person that now get captured through video conferencing. And then how do those video conferencing companies sort of, you know, keep those eyeballs and keep those customers? It, it almost sounds like there's going to have to be you know, add-on services to uh, the video conferencing solutions themselves and, again, sort of creating a new ecosystem. And I think we've seen a lot of that over the last uh, decade. So it'll be interesting to see what the what the video conferencing hook to that is. Yeah, and I think it's really about who kind of keeps keeps the audience captive through this crisis and holds on to them. Um, great perspectives. Thanks, Aditya. Um, jumping to, to you, Georgi. Yeah, so um, I think I think it would be interesting to see what the actual growth rate will be in the next few months, and especially after um, most of the people return back to their offices, and how it will it will all unfold. Uh, it will be interesting to see the market impact um, on these different companies, startups, as well as medium-sized companies, as well as large corporations. Um, and then it would be interesting to see what the workforce productivity actually was and what it will be uh, compared to current situation. That, that's a great point, Georgi. I can speak for myself when I say that uh, productivity is definitely not going to be, I think, uh, 100% uh, being all remote, at least in the short term. Uh, and finally, maybe to get thoughts from um, uh, George, definitely not uh, last but not least. George, do you want to jump in? Yeah, so I think for the telepresence industry, it'll be really interesting, like everybody said, for its growth, mainly because even before the global pandemic, the virtual telepresence industry was on an upward trend, as well as just the global meeting industry in general, which includes in-person meetings. So because we we have been seeing before the pandemic this, this shift towards more of a, uh, a meeting culture as well as a virtual meeting culture, I think it'll be interesting um, to see just how much of that shift has been accelerated because of the pandemic. Even even beforehand, I remember reading there was a, a 2013 Swiss report actually that did a deep dive into productivity uh, while we're working virtually and it found that it really helped reduce stress levels. So I think because of those reasons, as well as now the additional reasons for more uh, health safety concerns, the industry will definitely see a growth, but it'll just be uh, fun to watch who ends up on, on top in the next five to 20 years. Now, I think that's a great point, uh, George. And personally, I find a lot of impact of this. If there is a sustained momentum to maintain this level of telepresence or remote working, that there's going to be an accelerated push towards globalization again, uh, despite some of the more polarizing forces, I think, politically that have taken shape over the last several years uh, globally. So it'll be interesting definitely to kind of see how the next uh, few years shape up. And with that, we have come to the end of our latest uh, podcast. Once again, a big thank you to all of you, Aditya, Georgi, George, and Anton, for making time for this podcast and uh, sharing your perspectives on the video conference uh, industry. Uh, I hope you guys are all uh, doing well and managing through this remote uh, life. Uh, and until we, we meet back in person, um, it was great to have you guys and hope to have you guys again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. 
Thanks for listening. Here's the Deal on M&A is an independent educational podcast series focused on providing listeners with information surrounding the forces that shape the deal-making landscape. It is an unsponsored podcast, and as such, all thoughts and opinions reflected in the podcast are attributed to the individual speaker only. This podcast is made possible by the amazing team that's helped us direct and produce it. Our sincere thanks goes out to our executive director, Mukhtar Ahmed, and our creative directors, Anton Rasadkin and George Zhu all M&A industry professionals. If you enjoyed listening to the podcast, remember to subscribe and stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you for listening.